Alright, here we go. Hello, welcome. Hello, hello there. Hello, hello. Yeah, hello. Yep, hello, hello. Yep, yep, yep. Hello. Yeah, hi. What's up? It's Taz. Welcome to the Taz Show, everybody. Hope you're good. Um, yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. We're going to talk some raw on this thing here. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a fun one. So interesting raw, a little bit different. So we'll get into that here in a second, and uh, we'll rock and roll on that. So thanks for downloading this on Radio.com. Or Apple Podcast, or you know Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you're you're pulling the Taz show into your life. So I do appreciate that. Uh, a little tardy with this week's episode. I, I, I well, actually last week I dropped one show. I normally would drop two. So uh, it was a you know it's summertime. So you know I me, mean, I'm just hanging around. You know, hanging around a pool, chilling out, being lazy. You know, I got nothing else to do. So I'm gonna, ah, we're not gonna go down to the studio record another fucking podcast. Nah, no need. No, that's not that's not exactly what happened. But <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm busting shops. But so raw. Wow. Um. Well. So look, as we all know, right? So uh, the, the announcement was made. You know, last week at some point, I can't exactly remember which day it was, that they basically have two new head honchos. Uh, one on Raw, and one on uh, SmackDown. So, and that's uh, Paul Heyman, obviously, on Raw, and Eric Bischoff on SmackDown. So they're not, I don't believe they're both fully, fully in charge just as of yet, but both men got these, you know, high-end positions and uh, that, are, that, you know, they're more than both, they're both these guys are more, more than qualified, you know, and I tweeted about that last week. Um, you know, the executive director positions, uh, Paul of Raw and uh, Bischoff of SmackDown. So, and in my career, I've, I, you know, I've worked with both these men. I've had the opportunity to be in many production meetings, eight production meetings, agent meetings, private meetings, you know, all business stuff. Obviously, a longer history I have with Paul Heyman, I do with Eric, but in TNA, Eric and I worked together a lot. So, uh, especially when he was running the show there. So, uh, you know, he would, uh, he would talk with myself and my tenant good portion as the commentators, uh, the announcers, and also in, in meetings, you know, when we were going over stuff, uh, you know, creative stuff back then. So, um, I think both these men are going to do great jobs in this. I really feel it's an excellent move, uh, for the WWE, you know, let's just say things go according to the way the wrestling universe things, not WWE universe, the wrestling universe, the way the wrestling universe assume things are going to go that AEW is going to be, um, you know, a, a juggernaut and a power force once they're on TV every week, uh, in the fall, you know, on, on, so if that were the case, I have to say Vince McMahon put a message out in my opinion that, Hey, uh, we're fixing, uh, to be ready to go to war here if need be. And, you know, I have two big time, you know, lieutenants, high end lieutenants, uh, running each show that are battle tested and that know how to go to war 
uh, in regards to war, what wrestling promotion versus wrestling promotion. And then you got Vince McMahon himself, who's been part of that. So all three of these men, you know, obviously years back, if you haven't done your homework or you were under a rock or you weren't a wrestling fan back in the mid-90s into the mid-2000s, you know, that whole era, you know, from Attitude Era to the rise of, of ECW and the fall of ECW to the success of WCW and Nitro. Well, so Vince McMahon obviously was running, you know, WWE or WWF at the time, Paul Heyman running ECW and Eric Bischoff running, you know, WCW. So you have all three of these men controlling and running the WWE content, uh, creative control, whatever you want to call it, uh, the, the creative direction of each show. Vince obviously is the, still the boss. Uh, Paul on Raw and Eric on SmackDown, they don't, I don't believe they have full throttle say, but I don't, I do think that Vince will let them do their thing. Otherwise, why put them in those roles? These are not rookies. These are not guys with, you know, four or five years in the business. These are seasoned fucking men. I'm talking decades of experience individually. You know, Heyman's got decades of experience. <laughs> and and Bischoff's got decades of experience. And Vic McMahon's, Vince McMahon's got even more decades of experience. That's a lot of decades. Decades is 10 years at a clip. So, you know, when I first saw that news, I was happy for both guys. But then I was like, wow. Um, this is this is interesting. You know, this is interesting. I I, I don't think WWE is going to go forward and say anything about AEW um, or acknowledge them anymore, except on their Instagram during Raw. Someone accidentally tweeted there was a typo or something on autocorrect. Uh, they wanted to type the word R A R E. I think it was about the Street Profits tag tag NXT tag champs. I think that's what it was, and it came out hashtag AEW or just AEW. I'm like, ooh. So <laughs> whoever from social media did that, that's something um, that's that's not good. Um, I, I, you know, I me, mean, I think everything's a work. I don't think that was a work. But um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I do think this made things very makes things very interesting in the wrestling world for this upcoming the remainder of 2019 into 2020 with Heyman and Bischoff uh, uh, as the, you know, having the creative powers in, on Raw and SmackDown. Um, and we'll see, you know, I think if you let both these guys do their thing, you know, it should be pretty interesting. And, and I think that started last night. There was definitely a good chunk of segments. I wouldn't say the whole show, but there was definitely a good chunk of segments on raw that uh, you could just, I mean, I worked, as I said, with Paul for a long time, very close. And I could tell right away that that false count anywhere with Lashley and Strowman had his hands all over that thing and most of you don't personally know paul and never worked under paul and you guys could probably tell so you didn't have to be like me that i worked with paul for a long time you you, you could tell his style and and some of the things that jumped out to me and that i really enjoyed about that that false count anywhere you know look i've i've had the opportunity in my career to do a lot of you know false count anywhere matches we used to call them ftw rules and ecw false count anywhere in the building and I did this a lot. And, uh, you know, a lot of them with Sabu, you know, Shane Douglas and I. So I've done a good chunk of them. Um, they're fun to do. They are. Uh, it's a lot of work. Okay. Because um, you're going all over the building. With Lashley and Strowman, once it started out in the, in the ring and then in the ringside area around the guardrail of the ring, I did not expect them to go into the audience as much as they did. 
it seemed like they blocked, meaning, you know, protected some areas for these guys to go fight. I say that because, you know, WWE is not like it was back in ECW. It was just renegade and mayhem and, and fucking insane. Um, this is WWE. They're a public company. They're, you know, billion-dollar organization with, you know, just insane amount of money and success. And um, I was happily surprised that they were cool with having Strowman and Lashley go into the audience and fight throughout the arena. And then both men made their way towards the staging area. I think it was a big beal by um, Strowman on Lashley, which had Lashley, you know, end up on the stage, um, which led to a, just an insane spot where, you know, it was just a full-blown hit from Strowman onto Lashley right through the big LED board on the stage and just pyro and explosions and fucking craziness. And it was on. And that was just a few minutes into the show. And it was like, stop the show down. Uh, guys with fire extinguishers backstage spraying shit down. And both men, Lashley and Strowman, are down, knocked out. Mayhem happened. They had Corey Graves get up from the announce desk. And before Corey got up, they had Corey say, holy shit, which I think gives a good realistic feel to it. Uh, I've done that, you know, as a commentator in WWE, uh, you know, a couple times. And we were tweeting about that yesterday, joking around last night during Raw, and a lot of people realized that when the ring broke with WWE, um, what the hell was it, Big Show and Brock, I think it was, and then when Undertaker had an entrance on Kurt Angle and lightning hit the ring post and the whole ring collapsed, and I did another one of my holy shits. Those were cleared through Vince. I didn't just go into business for myself and say holy shit. So uh, I've talked about that in the past on the Taz show, but the thing is, that gives you a little more realistic feel. Once Corey said, holy shit, it got my attention. I'm like, oh, okay, this is after they went through the LED ball, which I thought was a cool spot. And I'm like, okay, Heyman all the way. And then it just it just picked up from there. Um, it really did. I mean, I'm like, wow, this is raw is dangerously right here. I mean, so it was the the coolest thing for me in that in that opening segment. Not only the show getting stopped down, which was very good and very smart and very risky. You know, you worry about that. You worry about losing viewers. But I doubt they lost viewers. I, I venture to say they gained viewers while that happened. So it'll be interesting to see the minute-by-minute minute numbers. Um, the the cool thing, again, was Corey saying the holy shit was cool. Corey getting up from the desk and checking on these guys made it feel real. I would have done a couple of things different. Um, with the explosions and stuff, to be frank with you, I would have done a little bit less of explosions, maybe not as much, and I would have done some sort of a fire. I know why they didn't do fire. I'm strongly, strongly, strongly assuming because, you know, there's fire marshals you have to deal with in all these cities and these towns. People don't realize that. I remember all the years of WWE having pyro, even in TNA, you got to deal with the fire marshals, you know, in that town, that city. I think last night Raw was in Dallas. So, you know, you got to deal with the fire marshals in each town. And it's sometimes they just shut you down. They want to see a rehearsal of it. They want to see what the pyro is going to look like, the fire is going to look like. And you're at their mercy. Like, whatever they, whatever they say you can do, you can do. Sometimes they say, no, we can't do this. And, and then WWE can't do it. It's just that simple. You can get in a lot of trouble. So um, I know why they didn't do a little bit of a fire. It would have been cool with the guys with the fire extinguishers. They have some kind of a gimmick fire um, because it had to be a fire marshal thing that they don't want anything like that in the building. 
you remember back in the day with the brood, you know, Gangrel and stuff, and they had the fire thing. That was badass. That was cool. But that was a lot of years ago. But I'm just saying in that entrance that was. But, you know, we've seen flaming tables and all that stuff. But fire doesn't work. So what I mean by that is when I say it doesn't work, I don't mean it's not good and it's not a good thing for the show. It's a great thing. When I mean work, I mean, like, know how to work. I mean, like, it's unpredictable because it's fucking real. It's fire. So that could be that could spread and cause a massive problem. And that's why a fire marshal is going to say, no, you can't do fire. So I know in Heyman and I know that he, he was in charge of this whole segment. You could just tell, um, I promise you, he probably wanted to get some sort of fire going back there. And then they probably got shot down by the fire department, the fire marshal there in, in Texas. So in Dallas, so but it's okay. No, no harm, no foul. I still think it was awesome. Maybe a little too much pyro in my opinion. Again, I'm nitpicking just a little bit and I'll nitpick on something later on too with this led board thing. Um, but all in all, I thought it was an a, a pot, an a plus, um, I'm going to give you an idea in a little while of something to make it an A++ to be really annoying in the picking. How about that? But no, I thought it was excellent. I really did. I thought it was excellent. And what, it, what made it even more excellent and just so much more better was the fucking awesome camera shot from high up above from the side of the stage area. Oh, man, that just made it so realistic. And they stayed on that shot. And then to give you more, what made it even more realistic was having the announcers lay out. The announcers just not saying much for a good portion of the chaos, what's happening backstage and the carnage and the panic and the, the oh, my God, is, is last year okay? Is is Braun okay? Um, and you and you got a camera that's far away shooting this, yet the announcers laying out. They're staying hard on that 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 side angle shot, which was great, and to me, it just it screamed, you know, to me, definitely a Paul Heyman feel to give it that realistic feel, and it was awesome. Um, and along with the announcers laying out, it really felt right. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're a voyeur, and something's happening, and it's not good. And you, your mind, and this is the beauty of the announcers laying out, your mind, you as the viewer, your mind wonders. Okay, I'm going to get caught up in the story, but wait a minute. Are these guys legitimately hurt? Like, what's going on here? Like, because the camera's not close to them. I can't see them. Usually, WWF has got great, slick camera work and a, a plethora of cameras going. But now, they're going wide on me, and it's from an angle, from the side. It's awkward. It feels uncomfortable, and you're locked in as a viewer. Great stuff. Really awesome, awesome start to Raw. I loved it. Um, <clears throat> the thing, too... Um, then they kept going to a handheld shot here and there once they're loading the two guys into the ambulance, which felt right. And then they had the announcers start to talk and things let up a little bit. They gave you a bunch of replays of the high spot through the LED board, which I thought was excellent too. No problem with that either. Everything was great. Then they do it on camera with Renee Young, Michael Cole, and Corey Graves. And I'm telling you from experience, these type of on cameras and these three people had to do it more than once in a show when you have to bring out your acting chops and trust me, you know, Renee's not an actor. Corey's not an actor. Cole's not an actor. When I had to do this realism feel where it was a sensitive, scary situation, I'm not an actor. So it's like not dealing with professional actors here, but yet I thought all three people last night did an awesome job in making it feel like something bad happened and it wasn't supposed to happen. 
and they didn't pull the, the curtain back too much. Cole was tremendous. Michael Cole was tremendous in his performance. They kept going to Renee, who was right to Cole's right, I believe, for updates while she was there on what was, as far as, as the night went on with, with, with these two men in, in the hospital and that it seemed like Braun uh, is doing a lot worse with the spleen, I think it was spleen they were saying, where uh, Lashley's out of harm's way, out of the hospital. So that felt great. I also, again, on that on camera with the announcers, what I really liked was they set up, I think it was Corey Graves who said it, they set up that all the power for the show is generated from that stage. Hence all those explosions and what happened in that backstage area when these two big gigantic men went through that that LED board. You know, that made it feel right. And then I think the next entrance we saw, once they came back from break and all this stuff, and then they tried to get back on track of a show, was the Viking Raiders, <clears throat> which it was awesome because the LED board wasn't working. You know, now that now this is something I want to say here about this. That was great. That it wasn't working and it just I think there was like a red spotlight on these two big dudes when they came out for their match and their music was playing. Um and then at one point then it was the new day and then everything was up and running again. Now I, I truth be told, I I didn't hear the announcers mention the LED boards out because of power. But I, truth be told, I didn't have my ear glued to to the TV set, so they might have said that in defense of those three people. I I don't know. I'm sure they did. I would be surprised if they didn't. But I wasn't listening super closely in that moment. I had something else going on, but I was watching, uh, you know, from my home. But um, so I, I think it was too early to have that LED board up and running, you know, once New Day come out. You know, I really do. I, I do think that <clears throat> you go, you got to go a few segments, in my opinion go a few segments with that board out. I would have did it. I would have did it. This is risky, but I'll tell you why it's risky. I would have did it where the talent comes out to work. No fucking music, no nothing. No music. No, just just lighting's there, but there's no music because there's no power in regards to the stage. No video wall, no Tron, none of that. Black. And they did what they did, which was awesome. They kept that hole. They never patched up the hole of the LED board. That was great. But... I would have went a lot longer in the show. It's a three-hour show. So they did this in the first segment, you know, where if you do it later in the show, then you could kill all the entrances and the music to make it feel real, you know, really real. You know, I, I, I would have done that. Again, I'm nitpicking a little bit. I would have, I would have went a few more segments with no music, uh, no fancy lighting, just like almost like house lighting and, and regular lighting on the ring to make it feel real and have the announcers – Throughout the show, keep resetting why. If you're just tuning into Raw, this is why you don't hear this guy's music or see this girl's video wall, blah, blah, blah. Constant resets. Cole knows how to do that with his eyes closed. So, you know, like that's what I would have done with it to make it feel even more realistic. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if Heyman tried to get that done. That's just my assumption. Okay. I, I did not talk to Paul. He done, did not tell me that. I will tell you where there might have been a disagreement where maybe I could see Vince or maybe Kevin Dunn or maybe Hunter or somebody saying, no, no, let, let's let get the video wall back going and the music going and the lighting going right away, not, not, not wait too long. And it's going to sound crazy, but I'm going to tell you how the company thinks and how it's probably not the wrong way to think. Um, 
I could picture someone of the high brass in WWE, like some of the folks I just named, saying to you know whoever Paul or whoever wanted to let's just say not have entrances for like an hour and have the the, the, the LED board be uh, the whole video will be black throughout the show um, because somebody I would think one or two or, or all the folks of high high end you know a Kevin Dunn or a Vince McMahon obviously you know say look at we could have a new viewer that's joining in and has no idea what and it's the first time they're watching raw and i know to a lot of you people listen to me you've all witnessed raw at some point in your life so you're th- and it's been around for years with success so you're thinking how the fuck taz you crazy no one's ever seen raw no there's new viewers all the time guys <laughs> there's new viewers so that could be the stance of somebody in power maybe above a Heyman, that would say i don't think we need to do that because we need to placate to the newer viewer and we need to look big time because we are we need to look sleek because we are we need to show great lighting and great video wall because we have it and because it's a lot of money and because it, it gets over our talent i would have you know if I was in an agent meeting or production meeting, I would have, I don't want to say died on the hill and get, get fired. I wouldn't have done that. But I would have went pretty close to the edge of that hill to say, I think that coming back with the new day and the video wall working and the stage working is way too soon. That's what I would have said. Um, I, I would have battled that. I do think that could have really got this thing over even more. And again, I'm nitpicking, like I said. <sighs> Something else about the LED board and the staging and all that jazz. Something else I would have done that I think would have even added to it. Just again, just me armchair quarterback in here. Um, okay, so throughout the entrances for all the talent throughout the evening after the Bron uh, uh, Lashley bumped through the LED board, you could see through the hole and they kind of blacked it out, but you could see there was still, you really couldn't see men or women back there working. But you could see the hole. They just didn't patch up the hole. They left it there, which was very smart to do. Just leave the hole there. Um, But you didn't see anyone behind or within the hole or working in that area. See, I wouldn't have done that. I would have had the crew working and fixing, and you see them on entries. You see guys working, trying to fix stuff. Almost throughout the most of the night, I would have had that a true working station where you see it, you're you're peeking literally through the wall or behind the curtain, and they're trying to fix things or do whatever. And there's people. I mean, I would have did a whole thing, would not put a camera on it, but you see it in the background. Because you know, just imagine while, you know, whatever uh, Seth Rollins is coming out for his entrance with the Universal Championship, and behind him you see the hole, and you see guys in there working, trying to figure stuff out. One guy's you know, you know, on a ladder doing something, trying. Another guy's helping him hand him something. You know, like. Just working, doing something, it would have felt like, wow, man, that's that's pretty fucking badass. Something really happened. You know, you even the most hardcore mark would have got hooked a little bit. I really believe that. I've had a couple of people last night, this is a shoot. I've had a couple of people text me, you know, thinking, now this was not anyone that was that was in the wrestling business, but that knows the business pretty good and and, and you know, knows what they're doing now, as far as covering the business and knows the business and follows the business for years, thinking that, you know. Uh, these guys is this thing what's going on here like they were they thought some something really bad happened to a degree like some of it you know which is great in this day and age if you could work some people i mean kudos to paul Heyman and wwe for pulling that off and Vince McMahon for having letting paul have that kind of a budget to spend that kind of money on that segment because that's the other thing that that was not cheap what they did that cost a lot of money 
what they did right there. A lot of money. We take it for granted because, ah, it's WWE. Ah, they got nothing but endless fun, an endless stream of revenue. Eh, that's not true. You know, they, they, they're very successful and wealthy because they don't just spend ridiculously. That was a very good way to spend your money. And it was, a, it was really, really cool. I mean, it was really cool. I gave you a couple of things, just nitpicking things, how I would have changed it. But that's the creative in me. You know, when I watch something I, you know, or think about something, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, if I would, like I said, if I was in a meet, like I just gave you that concept of behind the hole, having the guys working, having the guys, you see a guy on a ladder, you see another guy handing guys something, you see a guy with a flashlight while Seth Rollins is walking out behind, and the announcers don't react to it, nothing, you just ignore it. But you see that in the background, that makes it feel real. That's something I would have pitched if I was in the WWE and if I was in one of these meetings and I knew what we were going to do. With the video wall and the LED, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. I would have. I promise you I would have. You know, I pride myself on having, and I humbly say this, I'm not bragging, but I have a pretty good eye to make things seem more realistic. I, I understand that and make it seem awkward or odd. And and we got a good amount of awkwardness in the show last night, which I'll get into in a little bit. But, um, you know, right now I, I'm a little parched because um, I've been passionate and I'm talking. And, you know, when this happens, it's time for a little water break. Give me a second. Oh. If you're new to the Taz show, it's a very populous uh, moment here. It's a water break gimmick. It's not long. It's nothing to it, but people love it. Oh, man. Whew, I needed that. It was parched. I mean, it was definitely parched. All right. So there you have it. All right. So that's the water break. Okay, we got that out of the way. Gonna go to break. Other side of break, we'll get into uh, some of the other stuff they did on Raw. I mean, that jumped out to me uh, definitely big time, especially Maria Canellas and uh, her husband. So that was some interesting stuff. So there's definitely a good amount to get into. We saw The Undertaker pop up. I'm talking about Lacey Evans. Uh, so a lot to cover here in the Taz Show besides AJ Styles and Ricochet and all this jazz. So sit tight, Taz Show, right back. All right, we're back here, guys, on the Taz Show. Going to get into the rest of Raw, which I like to deem this episode Raw is dangerously. So going to get into the rest out here in a second about the U.S. title with Ricochet and AJ and all this stuff. Maria Canellas, all this cool stuff. Uh, first, I want to tell you about, you know what's going on, man. I always have good deal for you people. Always hook you people up. It's summertime. There's nothing more annoying than the flying insects that are running around your house, flying around your house, flying around your face, your family, your food. It's annoying. Okay? My friends at Dynatrap and me, we got a good deal for you. Dynatrap is the leaning manufacturer of outdoor mosquito and insect traps. Okay? And their Dynatrap fly light is awesome. Mine is, I have two of them. Mine in my house with the, all the gnats and mosquitoes that have come around. Once you open your door, stuff comes in, you can't even see it. You go and you pull the, the, the little paper thing out and the stick stuff behind it, which you can't see. It's a cool-looking light, and it's just got gnats and mosquitoes on it, which is great. Dynatrap fly light works day and night to attract and trap flies, fruit flies, mosquitoes, and other pesky insects. And I got to tell you, it really, really works. It'll get any kind of pesky insect you want. Okay, it'll get them all for you. I promise you. So here's the deal I got for you. Get yours at Dynatrap.com. That's D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P.com, Dynatrap.com. Enter the promo code T-A-Z, Taz. 
and receive 15% off any of their products and they have great products. They also have some some outdoor products too, which work. I have on my property I have two. Uh, Dynatrap, the safe, silent, and simple solution to household insect control. Remember, grab yourself a Dynatrap Fly Life for indoor stuff, and it's great. Don't forget, TAZ is your code. Save 50%. Dynatrap.com. So there you have it. So let me uh, jump back into Raw uh, as we roll along here. So, I, you know, I, what I really liked, too, about the episode, and again, I, I felt like I, I really strongly felt like the stuff we saw with AJ Styles, an awesome heel turn, which a lot of folks didn't expect. Awesome heel turn. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. And I felt like it, it just took the U.S. title to another level because it was the last segment of Raw. So Ricochet defends his U.S. title on the last segment of Raw. Meanwhile, the Universal title, which is the main individual title by, by Seth Rollins, he holds it, was, was represented beautifully in a mixed tag match with his girlfriend uh, and the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, against Maria and Mike Kanellis. I'll get to that in a little bit. But I really like the heel turn. I, I, I The chemistry between AJ and Ricochet is awesome. It's almost like, I don't want to call AJ the past, but it's almost like the present meets a guy who is still great in AJ. And, you know, he's a little bit older than Ricochet, and their physiques are similar, their size is similar, their work style is similar. It's just, you could have these two cats work any day of the week, and then you did an angle where you make AJ a heel, and you, you get the club back together with Anderson and Gallows, and you get a bunch of heat on Ricochet after he gets the victory on AJ, and AJ acts like he's going to shake hands. Next thing you know, boom, he punches the shit out of Ricochet, and he says to his buddies, Gals and Anderson, what are you waiting for? And then uh, they just come in and get a bunch of heat, hit the big magic killer. AJ then hits a big Styles Clash uh, from, I think it was the second rope. I mean, just great heat. They do the two sweet head signal. Michael Cole has a pretty cool uh, line. It says, uh, there's nothing sweet about that, something like that. Good stuff. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, and you know, Ricochet somehow, some way is going to get himself a receipt. He's got to get back at um, AJ Styles here for this attack. Um, and I'm looking forward to any business that they could do with Ricochet and AJ. I think it's good business. Um, and I think it's going to work. I'm really happy for Anderson and Gallows, too, as of late. Um, they, they, you know, they, we've been seeing them on TV more and, and they're, they're not hiding from the fact that AJ and those two cats are, are good friends from Japan and know each other a long time and all that shit. So I like all that. I think that's all really, really good. <clears throat> so good stuff there. I also really enjoying the story with the 24-7 title. I told you guys, give this thing a break, and it's working good with Drake Maverick. He ends up getting the title back last night. Uh, he beats our truth as he's getting ready to go on his honeymoon with his wife, Renee Michelle, which she's great. It's great to see her on the programming. And Earlier in the night, Renee was pissed at uh, Drake Maverick for, listen, we're supposed to be on a honeymoon. Those are obsessed with this, this, this freaking uh, 24-7 title. He's like, no, no, it's all good. We'll hang out, watch Raw. I'm not obsessed no more. That's fine. And he just kind of ignored our truth and all that stuff. Didn't get involved with it. And our truth knew it because he, he, was, he was right there when uh, Drake was hugging his wife and, and made this promise to his wife. So <laughs> truth knew that he could do whatever he wanted and Drake couldn't do nothing. And then later on in the night, you see our truth getting chased around the building, uh, by the raw guys and, uh, that zany silly shit. And then, uh, Drake is fixing to leave the building. He's got his, his rolling, you know, suitcase and he bumps into, you know, who was hiding was, was, uh, our truth from all the other guys. And then Drake says to our truth, listen, 
I'm not here to fight. I'm done. It's all good. I'm going on my, my honeymoon. I'm done with this shit. That type of thing, you know. And uh, our truth's like, all right, man, cool, man, all good. And goes to walk away. And from behind, you knew it was going to happen. You know, Drake Mavericks take, takes his own rolling uh, brief suitcase and cracks our uh, truth in the back of the head, calls for a ref. Ref comes out of nowhere backstage, sliding on a cement, which is very funny. It was very, you know, very campy, which I like. One, two, three, new champ, <laughs> new 24-7 champ. So uh, Renee Michelle comes in. He's like, oh, no, listen, now we're going on a honeymoon and we could do it 24-7 or something like that. So it was pretty funny. It's cute. I like it. Um, and it, it, double entendres and, again, leading more towards that Monday Night Raw where it's not exactly just PG anymore. Things are changing, as you could tell. Uh, two guys, well, three people that I felt had great nights last night. Uh, was the Street Profits, and I thought Maria Canellis had a great night. Okay, the Street Profits, they, they did a couple of things backstage and all the shit, and they're the NXT Tag Team Champions, and they, Paul Heyman, we saw him make an appearance. He was getting interviewed backstage by Charlie Caruso, and the Street Profits popped up on him, and, uh, you know, they started, like, messing with him and bullying him and all this kind of stuff like like funny you know what i mean uh it was great it was great and paul was the brunt of the joke and he took it you know and i'm sure paul wrote this because the way i see the street profits being utilized um montez and uh what's his name dawkins it really to me reminds me of it, it feels like old school ecw fans would know what i'm saying public enemy you know, uh, you know, Flyball Rock or Rock and Johnny Grunge and, and, and both those gentlemen are longer, no longer with us. But that that and that was Paul Heyman's creation, you know, and that was years ago. But these guys feel like kind of a similar type version. And Paul played off of them great. And this is what's cool what Paul's doing. He's always going to get the younger talent over. He's not going to get himself over. And he wrote he wrote this in here. You could tell it was him, his writing. Anybody who knows Paul and worked with Paul closely this was Paul Heyman. So it was great. I really enjoyed that. And I hope the street profits keep kicking ass and doing great because they are money. I predict big things for them. What are they going to do with these, these, these NXT tag titles and what's going to happen with all that? I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I'm not going to even sit here and predict, but all I know is they made their pre- presence known there, the street profits. And, and uh, they're both very entertaining guys. They're both talented guys in the ring, but Dawkins, uh, very funny with the whole fam thing. Yo, fam, yo, fam, fam. Yo, what up, fam? Yo, 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 fam, fam, fam. You know, all that shit, right? And Montez Ford, this guy just oozes charisma, oozes charisma. He's great. So I'm a big fan of both these dudes. I had a chance to talk to both of them when I went to the NXT TakeOver show in Brooklyn a couple of days before WrestleMania, you know, months ago. And I had never met these cats before, and we talked in the gorilla position for a while. What good guys they are. Really nice young guys that are talented and good people. So I'm hoping big success for the Street Profits. So we'll see what happens. Red Cup Jones, you know what I'm saying? I mentioned um, Maria. So Maria Canellas. So they did a thing where it was the Raw Women's Champ, Becky Lynch, and her boyfriend, Seth Rollins, the Universal Champ, in a mixed tag match against Maria and Mike Kanellis. And so they, they did a thing earlier again where it's a little bit more risque, right? Where they're doing a backstage uh, pre-tape interview type thing where it was, I think, Charlie interviewing both Becky and Seth and then Maria walked in and then her husband came in the shot. So, and Maria was total heel Jones and great 
and basically she said something like, I'm paraphrasing there. You know, she goes, well, how about we do this, you know, to Seth Rollins. This is what Maria says, you know, me and my bitch, uh, I think that she's referring to her husband, <laughs> against you and yours, basically referring to, you know, uh, Becky. It was intense. It was awkward. If And then it got even more awkward later on during the match where – Becky came outside the ring, was fixing to get her hands on Maria. Maria's like, don't touch me. Don't, t- don't hit me. I'm pregnant. And it got really weird and really awkward and uncomfortable. And now I'm like, okay, another Heyman segment here, right? <laughs> because that's kind of his style. He's going to make you feel uncomfortable at times. And that's good. That's good. And it felt right. And then Mike Canellis, who had a, did not have a good night. Uh, he take, you know, and the announcers obviously point out that he's using his wife's last name. And, and then he ends up getting beat. Uh, by he taps out by Becky with her armbar, and um, and then it just got even worse for Mike. Poor Mike, he got ripped verbally, basically, you know, saying, you know, uh, by his wife, you know, once once the baby faces left, you know, the two champ the baby face champions, and said basically the only man that was in the ring was Becky Lynch, uh, and she might be better off uh, fathering my children. Like I'm like, wow, holy shit, what a heavy line. Like, you're not a man, you got that. I mean, wow, I was like, yeah, you know, uh, it, it was, like, uncomfortable. Like, you felt bad for Mike. Like, you felt bad for him, Paul Heyman. So <laughs> I'm just telling you guys, <laughs> it was great. It's great. It's great. It's great. Uh, we saw Lacey Evans. She beat Natalia. She had a lot of good offense, Lacey. I like Lacey. I think she's going to, you know, she's obviously getting big push, and she's getting ready for this big mixed tag match thing. That's what was good. They did the thing with the Canellises, where it's Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans against Seth and Becky, as you guys know, for Extreme Rules. So I wouldn't take all, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I know a lot of people kind of get on a little bit on Lacey, but listen, I'm telling you right now, she's real good. I like her. I think there's something to this girl. Um, I really do. Um, I don't think that stuff they did with Charlotte Flair, that that I told you that work shoot thing they did a while back, that did not help Lacey. And she's she's trying to battle out of that. And and but I'll tell you, man, she's she's a, a good heel. She she cuts good promo. She's a she's almost like a throwback gimmick and definitely that old school southern thing. But I'm saying it's very gimmicky, which kind of feels good. Um, she looks great and she works really well. I'm I'm a fan of her work. I mean, some of you guys might not be, but you know what? Give her a chance. I'm telling you, she can go. You guys weren't hating on her. I don't think that much when she was in NXT. You guys are putting her over. You know what I mean? So it's like now she's getting a push. Now you can't hate on her. You know, I, I I'm telling you, she's she's good, man. I think that cool thing too with Taker, the dead man confronts Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon. Um, you know, and I, I like that take a cut of promo and it's, you don't usually see him cut that long of a promo and they had him lit like blue. It wasn't like regular house lighting or spot or white lights. It was kind of cool, a different feel. Um, this promo might've been a little bit teeny bit long, but it was good, man. It was, it's cool to see Taker out there doing this thing, cutting a promo, you know? Um, so I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I enjoyed raw and, and, and like I said, not just to circle back real quick to the last segment of the show with the U S title segment, <clears throat> excuse me, with Ricochet, you know, beating uh, AJ and with that quick roll through roll up um, deal he did there. But, I, and, and then you leave with the heat where you reunite AJ and you get the club reformed and stuff like that. I, I, I loved it. And I, I tell you what, you, you, you'd be, you'd be a fool to think the U S title don't mean shit right now. The U S title means something right now. You know, that's, that's one night. Of, of a new vision of a guy like Heyman doing his thing 
kudos to Vince McMahon and the McMahon family to giving Eric Bischoff and Paul a chance to, you know, dish out their creativity and let them do the things. And hopefully the stuff on SmackDown tonight goes great with Bischoff. I don't think I don't think he's they're both full throttle into this thing yet, but um, you know, going forward they will be obviously, and it's going to be great. I I I hope so anyway. And um, it, it's a fun time, guys. This is what's cool. It's a fun time to be a wrestling fan. That's the thing. That's the thing, you know, and you no know, matter if, if you hate WWE and love AEW, uh, no matter what it is, um, it, 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 if, if you hate WWE, you know, or love WWE and hate it, it don't matter. It, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, you, you can watch Impact. You can watch Ring of Honor. You can watch New Japan, whatever. Go online. There's tons of independence. But it seems like, uh, you know, we're going to have some stuff to keep our eyes on here with NXT AW, SmackDown, Raw for the most part, you know, that's gonna be it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. And, you know, I think that last night, if I'm in AW and I'm watching Raw, you know, and I'm in and one of those guys in those power positions, one of those those several EVPs they have, <laughs> I'm gonna be like, okay, all right, so I see what's up. All right. You know, like I'm gonna watch that closely. Be you know, it it, it, it they they did a good job last night. Raw was good. Raw was good, and a lot of people that I noticed some reports online, people seemed like they were digging it, so they liked it. I, I, I you know, and uh, we'll see how it is going forward. If if Vince allows you know Paul to do his thing, and and allows Eric to do his thing on SmackDown, you know we could get some pretty cool shit going on here. You know what I mean? So uh, so that's the deal. But listen, uh, more than anything, I love you all. You know that. I appreciate you guys downloading this episode of the Taz Show. You know how much I love you guys. That goes without saying. Now, I'll try and drop something else for you this week. Actually, I probably will drop something else for you this week. How about that? Taz Hall Jones. That'll come up towards the end of the week. Keep your eyes open on the Instagram. Taz Talk, T-A-Z-T-L, okay? That's where the info gets dropped for the friggin' Taz Hall. Also, great sale for July 4th on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Taz. Go to my Twitter or my Facebook. You'll see it. Utilize the code. You get, I think, 20% off all your Taz merch. Help a brother out, you know, trying to just, you know, pay for some peanuts here and there, you know what I mean? Buy some water for my family and me. Other than that, no, I'm Taz, you're not. Adios.